Exodus 16, and I really don't think we're going to be long tonight. Maybe we'll have a little time at the end just to pray and worship, uh, but I don't think the, the lesson is going to be long. There's another topic I want to get to, and, and I don't want to start it tonight. I want to finish this. And so we're going to read quite a bit of Exodus 16, and we're going to look at how God provided food for the children of Israel in the wilderness. So we're going to talk about the manna. So let's read, we're going to skip around, but let's read starting in verses 3 and 4, and then we'll skip down to verse 8. Exodus 16, 3. And the children of Israel said unto, unto them, Would to God we had died in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them, that's a test, whether they will walk in my law or no. Skip to verse 8. We're going to read all the way through verse 18. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we, speaking of him and Aaron? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even, at even or evening time, the quails, it's literally these birds came up, and they got, they got to pick them up and eat them, came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, Behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every morning, every man according to his eating, and overfull every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more and some less. And when they did meet it with Omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And so we know the story of the manna. But we see the, the complaining and the murmuring of the people. And we're just going to look at some very simple, plain truths tonight, okay, y'all? We need to look to God when we have a need. And Moses, we're, we're looking at the life of Moses. Moses learned this. We're going to see it as a pattern. As I said, we're still talking about Moses and his life. And then when you get to the book of Hebrews, in that wonderful chapter of 11, there's a long passage about Moses by faith, okay? He kept looking to God. There was nothing supernatural about him 
in his humanity, just like you and me. Elijah was a, just a like, man of like passions like we are. Yet he prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and the Lord sent rain. Here we see Moses part in the Red Sea when Moses holds out a rod over it. It's nothing but a shepherd's staff. We see him sending, at the, uh, sending uh, bread from heaven to feed the children of Israel in the wilderness. We have to look up for our supplies. Okay? Everybody in here has times of needs. I was just thinking about it. There are times within all of our lives where we have, seems like we have more than at other times. I'm talking about in a material way where we're not really thinking a lot about uh, money or paying the bills because everything's pretty much under control. Then there's times where we might, for whatever reason, be suffering some kind of lack. You know, and then or maybe when we're up, so to speak, someone else in our church is down. And when they're up and just got a new car and a new home and everything like this, we're down a little bit. But we are to rejoice with those that rejoice and to weep with those that weep. Don't get bitter because somebody has more and don't feel arrogant or pitiless when somebody has less and is going through something. We all have those times, okay? They're just, that's just part of life. And it really, to me, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with your age or anything like that. They're just times. Uh, but in all of it, God wants us to look to Him. That's the lesson, okay? Our help comes from the Lord. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. But my God shall supply all, all your need according to His riches and glory. Well, what is His riches and glory? They're limitless. He spoke and created the world and all that's in it, every living thing. So He could speak to our need and provide. But what He's trying to do is trying to teach us to trust in Him. He was trying to teach the Israelites to trust in Him, but they didn't. They never did. Isn't that, isn't that sad? that they never did come to a place of trusting Him. Well, how can you say that? Because the Bible tells us that. The Bible says here, if we keep reading through Exodus, and it's really highlighted in, in uh, I believe, Hebrews chapter 2 or 3, <laughs> three, where it says these all died in unbelief. Not, not receiving the promise. They all died in unbelief. Their hearts were hard. And here's just another example of Moses says, God hears your murmurings. God comes and says, I hear your murmurings. And remember the murmurings. I gave the de definition of it uh, last week. I want to give it again because uh, we see this. Murmur means to be obstinate, to complain, to grudge. But then there was these definitions that added to it because we all have done that at times. We've all murmured at times. But this says... To, to complain, to grudge, but to continue, to stay, to abide, to abide all night. And so this was their character. This was their nature. And I have complained and grumbled. I don't want that to be my nature. Okay? And we can get in habits of doing that. And I believe me, a Christian can get in the habit of doing it. And that's why we exhort ourselves, and the Word of God exhorts the believer to uh, bless the Lord and don't forget His benefits, right? And to, to count His blessings and to think about them and to read how He provided bread for these people in the wilderness. So we have to look up. 
There's a wonderful scripture in Psalm 145, 16, where it says, uh, Thou openest thou your hands, and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Now just think about that for a second. We've got hard enough time providing for our families, right? Or, or just, but He opens His hands, and it's in His hand. He satisfies the desire of every living thing. The little sparrows from the little fish in the sea and everything and you and me. And we're more valuable to God, he says, than a sparrow. But it, the provision comes from him. And so I want to talk about a little bit about the manna. And just this is not a whole full blown lesson on manna. There's some wonderful truths to be learned by this from this. But one of the things is that they gathered it every morning. And the Bible says when the sun waxed hot, it melted. Okay, so just picture it. This was their first experience. There was actually laws for the manna. In other words, God says, not only am I blessing you with this, but with the blessing, here's how you're to gather it. Here's how you're to eat it, when you're to gather it, how much you're to gather. <coughs> gather as much as you need to eat. Every man according to his eating. He didn't tell them you're eating too much or you're not eating enough. Gather every man what's sufficient because there's plenty of it out there. But on the, on the sixth day of the week, you know the story, they were to gather enough for two days. That's the only day they were to do that. At no point in there, in the whole 40 years, were they to hoard up a bunch of manna and put it in a manna bank. You know, in a manna safety deposit box. They were to gather what they needed day by day. And on the sixth day, they were to gather enough for two days. Because on the next, the seventh day was the Sabbath, and it was God's day, and they were just to rest and worship God, spend their time with the Lord and not be out gathering manna. And when they did it, everything worked out perfectly. In other words, when it did get to the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. And by the time the seventh day got there, there was enough, you know, they had enough and the food was still fine and fresh and good to eat on the seventh day. Why? Because that was God's way. What happens when when people saved up and tried to, on the third day, save up enough for the fourth day. Because I don't feel like going out on the fourth day. So I'm going to get a little extra on the third day. And I'm going fishing on the fourth day. You know? And when that, when that happened, it says what they had saved up uh, was rotten. And worms. Worms don't grow that fast. I mean, it was supernatural. Worms bred in it overnight. And so they go on the fourth day and they can eat the matter, matter they gathered yesterday and it was rotten and you couldn't touch it and you didn't want to eat it and you threw it out. Okay? Why? Because it was a transgression of this wasn't God's way. If you do it my way, it's going to be blessed. And uh, so we, we learn from these things. Well, what can, what can I possibly and you in the 21st century apply to our lives from this. I'm not going to say I know all of it, but there are some things. They gathered it in the morning, first of all. Because by the time the sun came up, it melted and went away. It was gone. So if you slept in and, and then you said, I'm getting hungry about lunchtime. I'm going to go out and get me some manna. It was gone. Okay? You could say, well, God didn't provide. No, He did provide. And He told you when to go get it. You had the health to get it, and you could go get it, and you chose not to go get it. You wanted to do it your way, and God says, do it my way, and look how it's blessed. Okay? So there's a lot of things we can learn from that. 
So if the bread, and we're going to get to John chapter 6 in a little while, because we're going to relate all of this to the bread of heaven, the bread of life, Jesus Christ, in a little while. <clears throat> but it represents that. That was a literal bread that they ate, okay? But just like the tabernacle and the, the uh, sacrifices of the, the animals on the altar, those were real, but they represented Christ. They spoke of a coming Savior and, and redemption and washing in His blood and so forth. Well, the, the bread spoke of Christ. We know it because it's translated for us out of His own mouth in John chapter 6. Alright? But, so if we're going to fellowship with God, the time to do this... Now, this is not thus saith the Lord. This is... What do we learn from the Bible as the best way to approach God? Best time to approach the Lord habitually is going to be our time in the morning. Now, the Lord knows why, and I think we know why. Why is that? I think it's pretty simple because when we wait till later in the day, first of all, we've gone through the whole day without having that. We've faced a lot of things, decisions, uh, offenses where somebody's offended us, some certain situation where we need a great wisdom, we need a great patience, all day long. We're tested and tried, and the devil's trying to get us to sin, and we have thoughts and we're worrying, but we're going to have our prayer time at night. Wonderful to have a prayer time at night. And we can pray without ceasing and pray all through the day and pray when you turn off the radio and pray when you're riding in the car. I do all those things, I think we should, but I do think in addition to those prayers, there is a prayer time you have. Jesus talked in Matthew 6 about when you pray, go into your closet. So we have a prayer closet. It could be in your backyard under an oak tree. You see what I'm saying? It could be in your laundry room with the door shut. It, wherever it is, you have a prayer closet and there's this designated time where you meet with God. And it's special. And it's wonderful. And we don't find a scripture that says pray from 6 to 7 a.m. And everything else is a sin. The Bible doesn't say that. But we do have that, that guidance, I guess you would say, from the Scriptures. David said, early will I seek you. What's early for one person may not be early for another. And I think that's wonderful of the Lord not to pinpoint a time. Okay? Uh, but I do think it is significant that we would start our day with the bread of life that we would start our day with the Lord. What happens when we don't? Besides, we're not equipped for, for the day. We're not really prepared maybe spiritually for the day. What happens is um, we're in, there are so many intrusions, I guess, for lack of a better word. You, you're, they intrude upon your, your quiet time with the Lord. In other words, you, you, let that, you had a little quiet time here before the activity of the day started, before you turn on the TV, before you turn on the radio, before you uh, get to work or get the kids off to school, there's some time where just you and the Lord and it's quiet. Okay? That's the time where the Lord would want us to take advantage of that. Because instantly, and they're not evil things, they're just cares of life, right? They start intruding intruding when we get past whatever that magical you know what I mean time is when it passes and then all of a sudden life starts so to speak and we, we missed our time not that we won't pray at some point in the day but we missed that time 
that was going to be the wonderful and best way to start our day. The Lord knows what we're going to face that day. We don't. You might get a phone call, like I've said many times before, that rocks your world. You didn't know it when you woke up in the morning. Brushed your teeth and got ready. But that day, God knows something life change is going to happen in your life. You know what I'm saying? There are things like that that happen. Then we need to be prepared. We need to be prayed up for lack of a better term. I think that's important. Not just prayed up because in a month I'm going on a mission trip. Not just prayed up because I'm teaching Sunday school this Sunday. Not just prayed up, you know, because we're going out handing out tracts at the park. But prayed up as a lifestyle. When Jesus said, the disciples said, why couldn't we cast the demon out of this man's child? And Jesus rebuked them that the demon came out. No problem. The, the disciples had tried and failed. They loved the Lord. They believed in God. They asked Him, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Well, this kind, kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Well, I believe the disciples prayed. And I believe they fasted. But Jesus lived a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. It wasn't, oh, I've got to cast out a demon in two minutes. I better pray. He would get up before the sun came up and pray. And then when everybody else went to bed at the end of a long day, he would still be up praying. The night that he, the night before he chose his 12 disciples, it says he prayed all through the night. And, and he called his 12 by name. So we see this as a pattern. And in and, and things of life, when we miss that time, it's not that we don't love God or that we are not saved anymore, but there's almost like there's, there's a brokenness to that, that quiet time. Because things are going to start clamoring for your attention, right? Clamoring for your attention. They're needful things. You do have to tend to them. God's not saying neglect your duties. Okay? He's saying take that time and you're going to find that, and I'm going to find that that best time is going to be early in the morning. And so that's just food for thought. Okay? And the Bible does seek you first the kingdom of God. I think first means in importance but it could be in time as well to seek the Lord first. Amen? So many things are to come in. And uh, you, you can't live just like the person couldn't save man. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save up. I'm, I'm kind of full. So I don't want to go out and gather today. I'm going to save a little bit in a Tupperware and I'm going to eat some manna tomorrow that I got yesterday. When they went back and tried to live on yesterday's manna, what happened? It was rotten. It was no good. It was unfit to live on. It wasn't just that it didn't taste as good. It was unfit to eat. Alright? So think about that. You and I can't live on yesterday's manna if manna is our, our relationship with God. Doesn't the Bible say give us this day our what? Daily bread. Daily bread. Again, I believe that has to do with our physical needs. And food, no doubt about it. But I also believe it could be Jesus daily, we're walking with the Lord. Daily, we're walking with God. And fellowship with Him and feasting on Him. I, can't, I can go back and recall some sermon or some wonderful thing that the Lord did in my past. And we ought to do those things. But as far as fellowship, I can't fellowship on yesterday's fellowship. Okay? Communion. Communion with the Lord is, is present. I'm presently communing with the Lord. So, uh, again, uh, we, 
or, or to say, you know, I read my Bible and prayed a lot last week. Some people look at it, I went to church Sunday, so I'm good till next Sunday. And really, you might not think about the Lord a whole lot in, from Sunday to Sunday or whenever. But we can't live off of that. That's, that's a fallacy. All right? So we understand that. We need to feed on, on Christ and we need to feed on Him regularly and, and before other things crowd Him out. Because other things will crowd Him out. And I would say this what a difference. What a difference it makes in our lives when we do that. You think about some of the worst days you've had and some of the best days you've had. And a lot of times, it's not our circumstances. It's the fact that, you know what? I overslept. I got busy. Uh, I missed my prayer time this morning with the Lord. I'm talking to Him on the way to work. Nothing wrong with talking to Him on the way to work. But do you understand what I mean? It sets your whole day. But what a difference it makes when we start the day that way. If you look at any man or woman of God through history in the Bible, or people read, read about like George Mueller and others that we read about, you're going to find that is a cons- consistent thing in their lives. You know, different countries and different eras and different callings and ministries. But one thing you'll find about all these people that we admire, and we should, in their walk with God is it was their importance they had in their communion with God. It was a non-negotiable. That's how I look at it. I don't think everybody looks at it that way today. It's, it's not, well, if I have time, or three of, the, three of the days in the week, you know, I have pretty good prayer time, but God understands, and we throw that out there, but I don't see in the Bible where He says, I understand when you don't come and pray. He just, everything I see is pray without ceasing. Men ought always to pray and not to pray. <coughs> What? Couldn't you pray one hour? He told his disciples. And we see this over and over and over. And so instead of making excuses, I'll talk to myself for a second. I should say, God, forgive me. Instead of saying, you get it. You understand. You know how busy I am. I should say, God, forgive me and help me. And the one who made my body, I remind myself of of this often, the one who made my body can make up for the lack of sleep if I'll put him first. It's true. We don't have a lot of faith and our God is not very big if we think He's called us to pray. But if I really pray like He says and get up a little earlier, I'm going to be too tired for the day. Is God big enough to give us rest? I'm reading the Bible that Elijah ate some bread and water, went to sleep, ate some bread and water again, and went in the strength of that food. Was it 30 days? And that meal. In other words, God can, he can take care of us. He just wants us to put it first. I'm not trying to put you in some kind of bondage. I'm not telling you how much to pray or anything like that or what time to get up in the morning. I'm just telling you your day is going to be better and you're going to be blessed if we would stop making excuses and start saying, help me, God. I failed again, but help me. I failed again, but Lord, help me. And then we're not, we don't fail. You know what I'm saying? And God helps us and strengthens us. He wants to do that. I know for my, myself, and, and this just has to do really with like a family prayer time, but when our boys were a little younger and we were all in the house together, uh, I've shared this before, there would be days where... Uh, we're so busy with ball and you know high school ball and, and running around and, and 
passing each other, coming and going, and we're not praying together maybe consistently. And I would notice it had an effect on it, on our lives. In other words, I, I really could see it. Maybe a few days pass, a week passes, we're cranky, we're edgy, we're mad at each other, we're not getting along. Really, the circumstances aren't any different. The only thing that was different was that, hey, we, we hadn't, I noticed we hadn't prayed and read our Bible together the last four days. Nobody's praying, but not together. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference in our hearts and in our, our thanksgiving to God and everything else. And so the Scriptures, we pray and we read the Bible. It's not one or the other. We pray and we read the Bible. And we read the Bible and it, the Lord is His bread that He feeds us from His Word. I want to read a couple of Scriptures. You can turn with me to uh, Luke 24-27. We've read this scripture a lot. This is on resurrection morning when two of Jesus' disciples are walking with him on the Emmaus Road and they didn't know it was him. You say, Well, how do I fellowship with God? How do I feast on God? If he is that bread of life and the bread of heaven, we read here uh, as he's walking with these two disciples, they didn't know it was him, they didn't recognize him. Verse 25, Then He said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning who? Himself. The, the, the Scriptures in the Bible testify of Christ. They testify of the bread of life. And He invites us to come eat. He invites us to come commune with Him. He invites us to fellowship with Him in His Word. And they, they confess later in the day, later in that evening, did not our hearts, these two disciples, burn within us when He expounded the Scriptures to us as we walk today. And there's another Scripture in John where Jesus says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. The Scriptures testify of the Lord. You want to fellowship with God? Best place to fellowship with God, not a particular room in the house. It is in prayer and in His Word. It's prayerfully in His Word, okay? In reading His Word prayerfully. It speaks of Him. It testifies of Him. And that's, that's where our fellowship comes in. Now, I want us to turn to John chapter 6. And we'll, we'll close with this, this thought tonight. You know, we said all, everything in the tabernacle, uh, all the, the Levitical priesthood and worship and sacrifice and altar, it all spoke of Christ. It was a foreshadowed Christ. Well, this bread foreshadowed Him. And we're going to read a couple of passages here. We could read the whole chapter, but just for now, let's read John chapter 6, 41 through 44. No, I'm sorry, we're going to start in 30 through 35. John 6, 30. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doest what dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna. Literally, manna means what is this? That's the Hebrew word, what is this? Because the Hebrews didn't know what to call it. So they're saying, What is this? Well, that's what it was called. What is this? Uh, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Moses didn't give the bread. God gave the bread. He gave it through the faith 
and the obedience of Moses. That's how the blessings came. He had a man that he that knew him and walked with him. Um, then said, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He. Now, the bread here is a person. The bread of God is He which comes down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto Him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. So He's interpreting His own Scripture for him, Himself. We don't have to wonder. Okay? I am the bread of life. He that cometh to Me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on Me shall never thirst. So it has to, the coming to Him has to do with faith. That's how we come to God, is by faith. Now let's skip down to verse 41 and read through verse 44. The Jews then murmured. Here they go again, right? All these years later. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread of life which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up in the last day. Verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are what? Are dead. There's nothing good that came out of that experience for them in the wilderness. A lot could have come good, but nothing good. They eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down, speaking of himself, from heaven that, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So we're going to stop right there. And Moses learned this lesson by faith. Okay, he learned that God was his provider. He learned that it makes no difference, like we said, whether it was the wells of Merah that were bitter or, or Elam with the palm trees and the wells of water or a desert or no food. Wherever, wherever he was, he learned that God was his provider. God reveals himself through his names and he wanted them to know him and he wants us to know him. I could tell you about Jesus and all the wonderful things as far as I know of, of the Lord. And you can tell me of the wonderful things as far as you know of the Lord, but the only way a person's really going to grasp that is personally <coughs> by faith. There could be one spouse that has the most wonderful walk with the Lord and gets up early and prays, and one that doesn't. I'm going to say why they don't or whatever the reason. And maybe they're both believers. And one is going to have know Christ in a more intimate way, there's just no doubt. There are blessings that come from that. And there's not a substitute for it. And I can't do it for you and you can't do it for me. That's why we exhort one another. Every person. You exhort your children. You exhort your husband, your wife. Others exhort you and me to lay hold on the Lord ourselves. Moses got it. Not perfect, not sinless. 
But like Abraham, I believe justified by faith, he knew the Lord, he walked with the Lord, he got to see and experience things that the others didn't. I don't know any reason why they could not have experienced this intimacy with God. He did get to experience it. He wasn't murmuring. I say he never complained in his life, but he didn't abide in it like that definition says. He was quick to go to God. And by faith, and by learning to trust in the Lord, he experienced this. And y'all, we're not going to murmur and complain. I'll close with this thought. We're not going to abide in murmuring or depression or complaining or feeling like God gave us a raw deal and favored somebody else more than us, which we do all those things at times. And we'd be lying if we said we didn't ever do that. But we're not going to abide in that if we are totally, uh, I don't know what the word, engrossed and enthralled with the Lord. Everybody's got the same circumstances. You know, God makes it rain on the just and the unjust. Temperature is the same. The economy is the same. The things are, are circumstances are circumstances. Everybody's got sicknesses that come into their lives. Everybody has financial struggles at times. Everybody has friends that they thought would never forsake them. They forsake them utterly. Everybody has these things. <coughs> the difference is that we can be so in communion with God that the things are the things and I'm not murmuring or complaining as a habit because when I do, I quickly go to God and I'm, I'm in His presence and everything else fades away. We're not oblivious to it. We're not living in denial. We're living in communion with God. And we're saying God's got it. And God has me. And God has that person that betrayed me or that I, you know, whatever. He's got it under control. And so the only thing we really have to boast in is the Lord. We ought not murmur about anything as children of God. We do it sometimes. You know what we do? God forgive us. That's what we should do when we murmur. And be quick to get out of it. If you have to do it 25 times in a day, then get out of murmuring 25 times in a day. But don't be a murmurer. All right? Don't abide in that. And just dwell on how things rotten, how rotten things are. And you got the short end of the stick. Don't. Okay? God is good. And He does good. And He's good to us. And He's going to be good to us. And He's trying to teach me something. Amen? We make our boast in the Lord. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. I'm just going to close with that, y'all. Uh, tonight, we're going to get into some another topic next week. But y'all, I would say this, that I would be the front of the line if we said, not out loud with my mouth, but in my thoughts, and I was ashamed to say in my heart at times, murmur, complain, grudge in my heart. And I don't live that way, but it's more than I should, if you know what I mean. I would pray that we would be a people, and tonight maybe the Lord will help us to deal with it, to, to confess it to God, to ask Him to change us. Lord, I want to be, I want to feast on that bread of heaven. And I'll be satisfied. He satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. 
Every one of us has the invitation to come feast on the bread of heaven, the bread of life. And He's given Himself on the cross, but He's given Himself to us now that we know Him and we're born again. He's given Himself to us. We have an eternal friend. Amen? Who sticks closer than a brother. And ask that God would just strengthen us, especially in this hour, that people would see the joy of the Lord in our lives. That other Christians would see the joy of the Lord in our lives. They know we're going through things, and yet we're not complaining and murmuring. Because we met with God this morning, and we've been meeting with Him every morning, and He has strengthened my heart and encouraged me. So Father, we just come before You in Jesus' name. And